You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, everyone. Uh, if I'm out of breath, please, I apologize in advance uh, to the Writer's Block Podcast, Season 2, Episode 7. I am your host, Brandon Laurie. Alongside me, I have Brandon Clements and David Howman. We did say last week that we would be the ones to recap the Monday night football game uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers and the Cowboys, un- in Cowboys fashion, win dramatically uh, 20 to 17 on the road in LA. Uh, I think all three of us, I could speak for all three of us when I say that we were on the edge of our seat the entire time. But again, it wouldn't be a Cowboys game if that wasn't the case. Uh, B1, I'll start with you. Just your initial reaction, initial takeaway from this game. Go. Sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. It was just a sloppy night, not just for, for the Cowboys, but for the Chargers as well. The referees were very busy tonight. I mean, they, I mean, Land Clark and his crew, they they were right on it. There were some things that, you know, you don't see called all the time, but Land Clark and his crew are right, you know, they're right on it. And, you know, there were some there were some missed opportunities from both sides. Like there was a few throws by Dak I'm sure he'd like to have back. Justin Herbert, same thing. I mean, there's, you know, a few throws he probably would like to have, you know, have back. So, I mean, it kind of, almost in a way, it was almost like evened out because I felt like that one throw by Herbert where he just missed Keenan Allen was going to go big. And then that last throw, uh, you know, to Pollard in the end zone by Dak, that, you know, it was, you know, was off by just a skosh. And, you know, that luckily it didn't come back to bite the Cowboys in the end. But it was, uh, it was, it was, it was sloppy. There was some, you know, it was just, it's like like you mentioned in the, in the pre-show. It's it's like one team's coming off a of, you know coming off a of buy, another team's going into a buy. So it was kind of like everybody's trying to get a win here, and and uh, it's just it, it's just a sloppy night all around. Howman, what about you? Yeah, I mean it, it was uh, it didn't really live up to the hype of like the Mike McCarthy Kellen Moore showdown. Um, points were not really easy to come by in this one. I did think it was kind of funny how like. Mike McCarthy, you know, he keeps calling these these really ill-advised, like, second and long runs, and then the Chargers and Kellen Moore are doing the exact same thing. So it's like, well, neither of these guys are really really getting a win over the other in terms of that narrative of, of whether the Cowboys are better off without Kellen Moore. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a very close game. It's the first, like, normal game the Cowboys have had all year where, you know, it, it wasn't decided by the start of the fourth quarter. It wasn't a blowout one way or the other. Um, so that was a little nice to get to see what this team does in normal game circumstances. Um, and the fact that they came out with a win, especially with all the all of the talk and, and trying to get that bad taste out of their mouth after the 49ers lost, that's what you want to see. It, it would have been very, um, very concerning if they lost this game, especially, you know, after those first two drives where the Cowboys offense uh, wasn't really able to get anything going. And then the Chargers kind of marched down the field and scored a touchdown. For a moment, it felt like we might be in for – a repeat of that 49ers game and that could have been disastrous. So it was, I think very uh, encouraging that they did not let it get to that point. They came back, they stayed in the game. 
Um, it was not perfect. Like, uh, like, like Brandon said, it was sloppy, a lot of mistakes. Um, but they, they fought, they won. And at the end of the day, they had more points than the other team, which is the most important part. It really did feel like the Spider-Man meme the entire time where Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy are kind of pointing at each other, you know, like, oh, no, no, you're going to do the first down run. No, 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 you're going to do the first down run. Uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more, Howman, and what you talked about where it really felt like early on, especially after the first drive for the Cowboys and how it ended. I mean, talk about it being negative on offense, on special teams and on defense where the offense, you know, stalls. They don't really get anything going. The uh, good punt return by the Chargers special teams really didn't seem like that they were in sync on that. And then the defense just gives up the touchdown and the lead, which, again, we've talked about this before, where the defense has struggled on the opening drive. Uh, you know, whether it was they got uh, the, the opposing team had the ball to start like in, in week one against the Giants. Um, it just seems like that the off the defense is trying to find its way to start the game, which is fine. If you settle in, you only let them get a field goal or one touchdown for the entire game. That's fine. But it just seems like it's a, a common theme where maybe Dan Quinn is just trying to figure out what their what their game plan is. Um, but after that, the Cowboys respond on the second drive. And that's where you felt like the offense was starting to hit its stride a little bit. That sort of response that you were looking for. And that was the one thing I did think about, as you mentioned, Hellman, where these games have been blowouts one way or the other, either in favor of the Cowboys or against the Cowboys. And I thought today, I said, man, regardless how it turns out, like I hope a win is a win, but you do want to see how the Cowboys respond to adversity, how they respond to a a tight game. And clearly it wasn't the absolute (laughs) best showing uh, by them, but they found a way to win. Um, This idea, as I mentioned to you guys before we started recording, Carpe Omnia, seizing the moment. There were a lot of players that definitely sees the moment in this game. Um, but it looked like that when they tied the game, I mean, a great call on fourth and one. Dak with the RPO. Fumbled the ball a little bit, uh, a little nervous, uh, but it was the longest, I think, touchdown run of Dak's career. Uh, so that was exciting to see. But you mentioned the sloppiness as we get kind of going into the game, and we'll talk about a few different things as well. But 12 men on the field, penalties, a lot of pre-snap penalties Mike McCarthy talked about before the game started with Brad Sham saying how he felt like it was a great week of practice the Cowboys didn't really have any pre-snap penalties but B1 when you see this type of stuff is it really just a team that's kind of desperate to get the bad taste out of their mouth from last week and they're just trying to just not lose the game rather than try and win the game yeah I feel like it's definitely forced I I feel like I mean that's it's kind of a kind of a team that's getting to that desperation mode where, you know, obviously they want to seize, you know, they want to seize this opportunity where, you know, the, you know, where the Philadelphia Eagles and the Niners both lost this past weekend. So I felt like there was even more pressure to get a win this week heading into the bye week. So you have some good mojo ahead of well, the week eight game against the Los Angeles Rams. So another, another Los Angeles team. So, it, you know, that's the, that's what I, you know, I looked at and, and, you know, looking at the box score, I was, I'm very surprised by how much the rush defense uh, looked, you know, it, they played well. Looking at the box score, the the Chargers ran the ball 23 times for 53 yards with a, a 2.3 yard average. Their long of the night was nine. So like a lot of the, there was a lot of hype. You know, I saw, you know, I, I follow a lot of stuff on uh, like different fantasy sports and, and whatnot. And, and Austin Eckler was on, he has his own podcast. And he was pretty much saying, yeah, I'm going to be ready to roll. So, like, my initial thought was, you know, the Cowboys' run defense hasn't been up to snuff, you know, this you know, this whole you know, this whole season thus far. And Austin Eckler had 14 carries, 27 yards with a 1.9-yard average. So the, the hype going in, we're like, okay, you know, Austin Eckler's going to have a good game against this porous run defense. 
Well, he didn't. That was the Cowboys run defense played pretty well. So that to me, looking at the box score, I didn't realize how good the defense did against the run tonight. So I know it was a sloppy game, as I mentioned uh, earlier on, but you know, from the run defensive side, like they, they played some good, good defense on that. And then, you know, there were some, some key moments there when the Cowboys needed to stop or make a play, they did enough. And you know what? You have to win these sloppy games. I know it's 20 to 17. Like, like Hammon said, if you're one point, two points, three points, 30 points ahead of the other team, a win is a win is a win. So for me, you know, I love it because you can't win every game pretty. Like we've seen some blowout wins, um, you know, for the Cowboys this year. We've seen some blowout losses here that we just had recently with the Niners. So the Cowboys have to win these ugly, sloppy games, and they did just that. And now it's time to, you know, take take a week off here with the bye week and uh, get get healthy and then get ready for the uh, the stretch run of the season. Well, I will say I I, I noticed that Eckler wasn't having that good of a game because. My opponent in fantasy had him, and I was stressing all game. <laughs> and I was like, Cowboys defense really needs to come through for me. And I, by the hair of my teeth, I, I got it. I got the win and got the Cowboys win. So I'm extra happy tonight. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it was really great to, to see this team come in. And, you know, whether it was the secondary, you know, they stepped up big when they needed to. You know, Deron Bland had – he, he kind of got picked on in this game, but then he had that one play which – could have been a pick six, but it was still a great pass breakup on third down. Stefan Gilmore had kind of, you know, gotten in some some bad spots throughout the game, but then he has that interception to seal the game. Um, the run defense stepping up. Offense, you know, they had some of their moments, and but, like, you know, there, there's definitely things to fix with this offense and, and things to get better. But Brandon Cooks, we've been talking, you know, a few weeks now about, like, Brandon Cooks hasn't really shown up. He had a great game. He had that – especially that one big catch where he kind of got up in the air and big boyed it. Um, CeeDee Lamb had another really good game. They made a conscious effort to get him more involved. So, um, yeah, I mean, the the common theme is it was not perfect and it was not pretty, but it was enough to win the game. And coming off a loss like they just had to the 49ers, that's what you wanted to see was the resiliency to come back and play good enough to win. And now they get to go into the bye, you know, rest up a little bit, fix some things that they need to, to fix and hopefully come out stronger for this. Yeah. You mentioned the offense performance. Uh, it definitely felt like I, I tweeted, I said, it felt like that they've been in second gear for the first six weeks, first five weeks um, of the season where it just like, they're on the cusp of finally hitting on all cylinders. We mentioned that drive where Dak Prescott scores on the RPO. There were a few times where it looked like there were some questionable calls. Um, we mentioned the first down run game, the second down run game, um, the Cowboys kept trying. I'll give them credit. They kept trying to run the ball. Mike McCarthy has talked about that establishing the run is so important to him and his offense, but sometimes it just felt like when it wasn't working, they should have gone away from it, but they just kept going with it. Um, Dak Prescott was 21 of 30 tonight uh, for 272 yards, averaging about 9.1 uh, an attempt, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Justin Herbert, 22 of 37, 227, two touchdowns and an interception. The one drive I want to take you guys back to, because again, we'll kind of just go through the game a little bit in the most crucial parts. Um, I thought, you know, the way it was going, the Justin Herbert deflected pass that he caught and ran for first down. I, I just thought that that was going to be a common theme throughout the whole night. But I'm going to go to the Cowboys' fifth drive of the game. Um, it's right right before halftime. They got an opportunity to get a, a following um, uh, attempt uh, at another drive. But this is the one where on fourth down, they're in the red zone. They tried doing a screen pass to Pollard. It worked. A few things went in their direction. Um, and then they decide on fourth down to do the tush push. 
Uh, and it just seemed like that to me, it was not the right call. Either you take the points there where you have momentum. They got a few calls where it was the, I believe the play, um, I don't know if it was on that drive, but the there was a roughing the passer penalty. Michael Gallup dropped that ball in the end zone. Um, good play, uh, blitz pickup from Prescott to Lamb. And then, you know, you had the screen pass ball. Think, things were moving for this offense. And then on fourth down, when you need points in that situation, whether it was a field goal or a touchdown, you convert on fourth down. The fact that they went and did an RPO on fourth down, I thought they would have done something maybe a little different. But to me, it's just don't don't do that. Like try something else. It just seems like for the Cowboys, it has worked in the past. But Howman, for you, were you in favor of that call, or you felt like that they should have done something a little different, showing that they could do other things on that other fourth down call that went for a touchdown? Um, I mean, I'm in favor of the call. I just don't think that it was necessarily executed as well as it could have been. Um, the side that Dak initially chose to go, like when he takes the snap, he goes to the right side, and then by the end of it, he ends up getting pushed forward a little bit, but not enough on the left side. So um, I, I just think that's a case of he went to the right and they had more guys on the right than they did on the left. And uh, Hunter Lipke and Rico Dattel were pushing him and they were kind of like, oh no, like go to the left. But at that point, you know, they're, they're blowing the, the whistles dead at that point. Um, and I mean, it, it with all the, the discussion that happens to be around the, the tush push play and like some teams are saying like, we got to ban this play because it's, you know, it, it's, it's too unstoppable. I mean, like, we're seeing, like, the Eagles have it down. The Eagles are the one who made it popular, and it helps that they have a really great offensive line. They have a huge quarterback who, I mean, he, he squats, like, 600 pounds. I've heard that a million times at this point. Like, they have the personnel to make it work. The Cowboys kind of do, too. They've got a, they've got an offensive line that can get some push. Dak is pretty well built for, for his size. Um, they're, like, one of the few teams that probably could make that play work. Um but I, I, I think this is the first time they've run that particular play. They've run a QB sneak before, but I think this is the first time they've actually done the tush push. Um, I, I think it's just a case of they got to try it a little bit more. They got to practice it more maybe. Um, but, I mean, in, in fourth and one, like, I like the decision to go for it. I like the call to, to run that play because, you know, it, you need one yard, and the guys you have, the people movers that you have on this offensive line, they should be able to, to win – your quarterback should be able to go through the contact and having Dowdle and Lipke like pushing you from behind, like that's a good combo. Uh, it just happened not to work. And that's, that's the reality with some of these plays is like, you know, you can always go back and say, well, the play didn't work. So obviously it wasn't the right call, but then also on the flip side, if the play does work, you know, you look like a genius. And then next time they run something different, you say, well, why didn't you run this play? Cause it works. So, you know, hindsight is hindsight's 2020, but, um, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with the play aside from the fact that it didn't succeed. <laughs> I guess the one thing, Brandon, I'll, I'll throw it back to you and get your perspective on it. But I guess for me, it was the fact that they gave Justin Herbert the ball again with the two minutes still to operate. And they did, like I said, get the ball back. They were able to kick the field goal um, and make it 10-7. But I felt like that they just left points on the board. What's your perspective on it after Howland kind of made his case? I'm actually with Hallman on this one. All you know, right. I'm, I, I'm the minority. It's okay. I'll, yeah, I'll you, take it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm the minority. I, yeah. I mean, you know, and, and, and Hallman and I have had these, these chats on social media where, you know, he's, he's more of an analytical guy. I'm kind of more of a gut feel kind of guy when I, when I watch these fourth and down, fourth and one situations. But for me, like I'm sitting there, I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Like we, you know, I think McCarthy made the right call for going, going for it on fourth and one. 
I'm not a fan of what the, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles now call the brotherly shove is what I've been hearing now. That's what I've been hearing from all the Philly fans that I know. The brotherly shove. Horrible name, by the way. Horrible yeah, I, I mean, yeah, of Chris course. Bush is much I mean, better. Yeah, I, yeah, the tush. Yeah, my, you know, my wife loves the. She loves the. the she laughs at every time I call it the tush push. So I'm like, I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll call it the brotherly shove. But yeah, I don't, I don't like that name either. But, and you know what? When, when Tomlin's point, like, you can't ban that. Like, you know what? Like, how about be a better defense and stop it? Like, that's that's kind of the way I look at it. And to, you know, to to that point. Jason Kelsey is, you know, obviously we hear a lot about the Kelsey's the last, you know, the, the Kelsey's are like a phenomenon right now with Taylor Swift and everything else going on in the world. But Jason Kelsey is one of the best centers in the league. And he has that down, down to, you know, he's got a down pat. Like he, he does it just so perfectly. And that 600 pound squat, you know, quarterback, Jalen Hurts, he's the strongest quarterback in the league. So that combo is a lethal combination. So, and, and, and nothing against Dak Prescott, but I don't think he's as strong as Hurts is. I don't, and I haven't heard, I haven't heard everybody talk about Dak Prescott squatting 600 pounds. Uh, he's probably up there, but I don't know. I mean, Jalen Hurts is one of the strongest dudes, you know, playing the position. And, you know, nothing against Tyler Biotis, but, he, you know, he's a great player. I, you know, I love Tyler Biotis. But I think Jason Kelsey just, he, he, you know, he's, a, he's, he's better especially at that play, but I think he's right now he's one of the best centers in the league. So the, the, my problem is, you know, I, I liked how that option worked where Dak scored from, you know, from, you know, just inside the red zone. I maybe wouldn't have done a read option per se, but I might have – Harken back to my, you know, my fandom is a, is a Syracuse Orange from back in the day where I would have liked to see maybe, you know, and, and maybe it gets too cute and it gets blown up, but everybody sees that whole tush push thing happening. But then you have somebody back there, you know, you know, you have maybe another, you know, like a, a third, a third player in the backfield where you act like you're going to do the shove. And then you kind of just maybe, maybe do like an, an option, you know, out to your left or right, just depending on how the alignment is. And maybe you do it that way because you got the defense converging in. So maybe you do something along those lines. But other than that, like, you know, the execution wasn't great, but I like the play call. I'm glad Mike McCarthy had some stones and he actually, you know, he, he went for it on fourth and one. So, I mean, it, yeah, it was, you know, I, you know, I, I don't like missing out on points, but in that situation, I felt like, I felt like they, you know, I felt like it was the right call. You know, I'm, I'm surprised not only that you were the first one to make a Taylor Swift reference tonight, but also that you made the Taylor Swift reference before you made a Syracuse reference. I, I feel like this is really some some character growth for you. This, I'm really proud of it. Well, you know that's um, that's that's what we like to do uh, on here. Yeah. I just I wanted to actually throw it back to you, Hellman. The one drive I think we have to talk about before moving on is right before halftime, uh, where the Cowboys are driving down the field. That's the drive I was talking about where it felt like that they had a, a lot of momentum. There was the quick pass to Jake Ferguson. Then they get the helmet to helmet call on Derwin James, which again gave them an extra 15 yards. It felt like that there was a little too much communication going on for Dak trying to do like a pre-snap adjustment. It felt like that was going on all night, but I do know Brandon Staley likes to kind of move things around and adjust things on defense. Um, But with eight seconds to go, the Cowboys had two timeouts in their pocket. Mike McCarthy decides when the referees come over, we thought, okay, you know, he called a timeout, eight seconds to go. They're going to try and at least, I believe they were on the 10-yard line or at least close 12-yard line, you take a few shots at the end zone, maybe a few passes, quick passes, or you throw it out of bounds. Then you get it down to maybe two seconds and then attempt a field goal. But Mike McCarthy decides, no, no, I'm not going to take the timeout. Runs the clock down to three seconds, and then they kick the field goal. It seemed like everybody on Twitter was very confused, or X rather, very confused, and a lot of the beat reporters had the same question. What did you think about that sequence? Because we know Mike McCarthy has a history of 
you know, blunders when it comes to clock management. It felt like that in that situation, I won't call it a blunder, but it's certainly one to highlight, especially if they lost the game. Yeah, I'm still a little confused, mostly just because there wasn't any sort of explanation from the ref crew, which that was the thing that like bothered me the most was like, you you call the timeout, they stop the clock, you know, they all went into the huddle and then suddenly it's, it's three seconds and we have, we're kicking the field goal and they all huddle up again and, and they're like, Oh yeah, no, we're good. And they don't explain anything. I'm like, like what, what's going on? What's, what's happening? So I, I mean, from, from what it looks like, it looks like they initially thought that McCarthy wanted to call a timeout instead he decided to let it run down to three seconds. Um, I don't love the, the, the decision there. Um, personally, if it's me, I'm calling a timeout in eight seconds. That gives you enough time for one more play you know, you draw it up, you do the opposite of what Brian Dable and the Giants did the other night where they give you a, a play where you can check into a run. You don't do that, first of all. And you, and you take a shot to the end zone, you make sure Dak knows, like, one, two seconds, like, get that throw out. Don't take a sack. Don't, you know, hold the ball and try to scramble. Um, but I can also see, you know, the argument from probably from Mike McCarthy, which is, the Chargers were in the backfield like pretty often throughout the game. There were a lot of plays where, you know, this offense is predicated on Dak getting the ball out quick. He wasn't able to do that. He had a lot of scrambles, whether it was like actually turning up field and running or just getting outside of the pocket and finding something. And so I could definitely see an argument where McCarthy was saying, like, I don't trust the fact that we like the idea that we can drop back and throw and not have something go horribly wrong. Like, I'm just going to, take the points, get to halftime, and we'll make some adjustments. I get that argument. It's not what I would do. So, like, yeah, I disagree with it. I don't I, – I wasn't, like, livid about the call. I wasn't, you know, mad, like, saying, like, this is the worst, you know, clock management I've ever seen. Um, but it, it's also not something that I would have advised. <laughs> yeah, no, it, no, I wouldn't have advised it either. Uh, you know, again, we're, you know, we're agreeing a lot tonight, Hallman. This is, uh, this is really, this is like, like on like charted territory. I feel like. This is what I, happens when you start the night with some Taylor Swift references. Apparently, <laughs> I guess we're just getting, you know, and what's next pumpkin spice. I'm not sure what's going on here, but no, I agree though. Like it, to me, I would have done the same thing, you know, you know, stop it at, you know, you've eight seconds left. You call the timeout. And, and just like Hallman said, you, you take, you know, you have, you tell Dak, all right, you got like, take one, two step drops, look, see if anything's open. If it looks good, throw it. If, if it's not throw it in the dirt, essentially throw it at someone's feet, just so nothing happens. The clock stops and you get Aubrey out there for the field goal. And obviously Aubrey's been money. We can talk about that. But it, the thing that I, I, I don't like is McCarthy, you know, it's, it wasn't even just that I'm looking here and, uh, you know, in, in the last two and a half minutes of, of the game, like, why are we, why are we snapping the ball when the clock's running with like, you know, four, four I think it was 13, 14 seconds left when you're trying to run the clock out. Like I just, I feel like, you know, you know, I, I don't know if that's a, a, more of a Dak situation, but I feel like Mike should have been like coach McCarthy should have been like, Hey, you know, let's get that thing down to one or two seconds, run as milk as much of that clock as possible instead of, you know, leaving it with, you know, some meat on the bone with, you know, time. So I, you know, it's Mike McCarthy, like you mentioned, you know, it's, it's a blunderish situation where he's not the most um, savvy when it comes to time and clock management. So it, it was kind of, it was a little bo- mind boggling for me, but you know, the end result was, you know, he, I think, you know, in his, in his head, I think he was just like, you know what, this hasn't been the best half of football. Let's get the three points and uh, you know, go to the half. And, and they got, they went in the half, 
uh, you know, ahead. So for me, that's the, that's the, my main takeaway from it. Like I know, you know, X, you know, on social media, Cowboys nation was, was going nuts. I saw some jokingly, let's fire Mike McCarthy after that. Like I, I saw a lot of that. I'm like, all right, let's all chill out a little bit. So I think for him, you know, knowing how they played, especially last week against the Niners, they were tied at the close to the end of the half there. I think it was more of a mentality of like, all right, we got to go into the half, no matter what up, you know, up points here. And I think he was playing it safe. He took the points. Brandon Aubrey's automatic. So that that was my takeaway. But I would have, I would have, to Hamlin's point, I would have taken that, you know, I would have taken one shot at the end zone quick and then, okay, if it doesn't work, dirt it and then kick the field goal. Yeah, the one drive I want to talk about where the game felt like that it was starting to turn. Um, of course, it, always at the end of the game, it gets close. But the, the Chargers on their seventh drive tie the game at 10-10. And then the Cowboys' eighth drive, the Chargers' eighth, like that's where it felt like it started to change. Uh, for the Cowboys' eighth drive, that was where Dak Prescott turned that horrible play where it was was going to be a would-be sack. Just a quick pass to Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard made a great move, forcing a missed tackle, and goes for 60 yards. You feel like that maybe the injury is still kind of holding back his speed a little bit. He's still trying to get his footing. Uh, Asante Samuel, we've talked about him before on the show about how he could have been a Cowboy, but um, he's also pretty pretty quick as a player, so he was able to catch up to Pollard. But then the Cowboys finally get Brandon Cooks involved with the touchdown. Uh, we will talk about another wide receiver, I think, being the most important player in this game. Um, but Brandon Cooks finally gets his, uh, his first touchdown. Cowboys take the lead 17-10. And on that drive, of course, all momentum is kind of going in the Cowboys' favor. Then you have the Chargers' response. Uh, a few penalties, of course, against J. Ron Curse. Oso Digizua makes up for the tackle for loss. Another holding penalty by the Chargers. And you get the missed interception by Duran Blaine. You think that, great, this is cherry on top. Cowboys are getting the ball back, can milk some clock. Then you have the blocked... Punt, return, whatever you want to call it. I know, Howman, you were talking about it. Uh, there were a lot of people like Patrick uh, Nosey Walker, DallasCowboys.com, believing that if by notion of the rule for NFL officiating, if you block somebody into the return man, it should be a penalty. Uh, Howman, since you voiced it first and I saw your name pop up on Twitter, walk us through that play and what you thought happened and what should have been the call, which, again, extended the drive for the Chargers and inevitably tied the game uh, with a touchdown making it 17-17. Yeah, this was another one where I was very confused when I was watching it play out. I'm still a little confused. Um, like you said, I mean, the 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 Cowboys player gets blocked into Kevontae Turpin. And by rule, that should be a penalty. Um, and when they were, you know, doing the replay review and the broadcasters were talking with the officiating expert guy, like they never even brought up why that was or was not a penalty, why whether or not it should have been called. And I was like... That was another thing, like, where they didn't explain the play before with the field goal, and they didn't even talk about it with this. I was like, am I going crazy? Like, is that not a penalty anymore? Was there a rule change there somewhere? Um, and maybe there was, and someone else will point it out, and we'll all be smarter for it. But to me, when I was watching, I saw that, and I was like, there better be a flag. And then the ball bounces away, and everyone starts running towards it. And I was like, I don't think it touched anybody. And then Tolbert goes to, to get it. And like that's a that's a tough spot for Jalen Tolbert because, you know, with with the way that the ball bounces, the fact that there's contact, it's like mm-hmm. there's there's not really a way for the rest to really indicate one way or the other whether it's loose, whether it's up for grabs. Um, and he's just thinking, well, if it is loose, everybody else is running towards it. Like I gotta go th- go there and get the ball. 
But of course, you know, when you've got a bouncing ball like that, you're coming at it from an angle trying to beat someone else out for it. You're not going to be able to make a clean recovery. Um, and so like the, the fact that it, it hit his hands first and it bounced off and like, I, I don't really give Tolbert much, much flack for that. I'm just really confused on why there wasn't a penalty called it, to me. It seemed like it should have been, but uh, maybe there's going to be some explanation later in the week about like why that wasn't a penalty, why maybe it didn't actually meet the criteria. I'm not sure. I don't understand, you know, wh- why it wasn't, but obviously that was a, a huge potential swing for the Chargers and it, it helped them out in a big way. But, um, you know, again, talking about like the Cowboys overall resiliency, they were able to overcome that mistake instead of us, you know, sitting here and spending the whole episode just breaking down that play and how that's the one play that like killed everything for the Cowboys. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'll say this. I mean, Tolbert, Tolbert to me, and I've been, you know, I've been pretty happy with his play on special teams. So like this, and I was, I'm not going to lie. You guys saw it on X. I probably, you know, I was, I was what the heck, you know, kind of, you know, moment. Cause it, in the moment I'm like, Oh my God, this is going to be one of those things where, you know, the chargers are going to, it's the catalyst for them to win the game. I mean, you know, in in hindsight, you know, having more time to digest it a little bit, you know, Tolbert was kind of put in a weird situation there. You know, and, you know, I can't fault the guy for making an effort on a play where he wasn't sure if he needed to go recovered or not. So, like, in the the heat of the moment, I you know, I was not pleased with Tolbert's work there. But having a little more time to stew on it just for a minute and listening to you guys talk about it, it, you know, it, it kind of put me in perspective a little bit where I'm like, all right, like Jalen's just trying to make a play. It unfortunately just didn't work out, you know, and you know what, in a way it kind of reminded me of, I don't know if it's before your guys' time, but when I was a, when I was a young, a young fella back in the, the early nineties, mid, almost mid nineties, it reminded me of, of a certain Leon Lott uh, situation, you know, against the, against the Miami Dolphins back on uh, Thanksgiving in 93, where it's like, oh, no, there's Leon Lett. I mean, Leon Lett's done a few of those things over the years, especially the Don Beebe uh, play in the Super Bowl with the Buffalo Bills. So, I mean, uh, you know, obviously it didn't come back to, to bite the Cowboys in the rear end, but I kind of like it. Like my first image was like, oh, my God, this kind of felt like the the Leon Lett. I know the Leon Lett was a, a field goal and this was a punt, but for me it, I kind of equated it to Cowboys special teams blunders and in this case, it didn't turn out to be a you know a, a, a game changing moment where it, it it caused the Cowboys to lose. It made me for a moment I was nervous because I'm like, here we go, here comes the Cowboys blowing this game. But in the end, it all worked out. Cowboys won the game. So I actually just looked it up um, with regards to the penalty and everything. There's a really great Twitter account out there, by the way, uh, Football Zebras, um, who is, is you know the account is run by former officials. They do a lot of in-game explanation tweets. Um, and they kind of broke it down as basically what it comes down to is um, passive versus active engagement with the blocker. So um, essentially, if, if the player that's getting blocked into the punt returner is, is uh, actively engaged in blocking with the other player, then that's not going to be a penalty. And if it's passive, then that would be a penalty. And, and apparently they, they must have ruled that that the Cowboys player was uh, actively engaged in the block at the point when it happened. I mean, it, I'm not trained to be an official, so, like, you know, I have to defer to them on their judgment there. But, it, I mean, it didn't look like he was, you know, actively engaged at that point. Um, some other people on Twitter were calling that, you know, he, he had a hand in his face from the other guy too, and that, that went uncalled. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's a little questionable, but that is what the, what the rule book says about the active versus passive engagement. Yeah, no. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Oh, you bring up a great point. That's exactly what I was going to mention, where when I was looking in the moment, I, I saw a one report that said that you couldn't block somebody into the return man. That's illegal. But then I saw the passive versus engaged blocker, and I said, well, I guess if Jalen Tolbert is kind of making his case for trying to block it. But again, it's so subjective in that moment where the ref makes the call. You just kind of go, got to go with what it is. Um, you wish that there was maybe a little bit more communication between Turpin and Tolbert to say, Hey, no, no, it's not live. I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it. You know, uh, or what they ever, what they say, you know, to scare the, the players away from the ball to say that it's live. You wish there was a little bit more communication there, but again, you can't fault Tol- Tolbert for trying to make a play. If he thought that Turpin touched it and then he just kind of muffed the punt. So I get that. Um, the final offensive and Cowboys final defensive drives of the game. I think that's where everything was won. Um, of course it was because they scored the points and then were able to get the stop by the Chargers. But when you saw, to me, the final offensive drive, 14 plays, 54 yards, 4 minutes and 52 seconds, exactly what the Cowboys been this entire season on offense, long drives, long plays, really trying to just milk the clock. They knew once they got into Brandon Aubrey's range, they could have just kicked the field goal and hope that you run out the clock enough. Chargers had two timeouts, and they were playing with the two-minute warning, so at least they weren't working with, quote-unquote, four timeouts. But to me, I thought it was all dark when they started with the penalty on Tyler Smith. Dak Prescott hits Michael Gallup for five yards. You kind of get that yardage back. Dak Prescott is sacked. And then you're looking at uh, a third and 18. All hope is seemingly lost. But then when everything is going against the Cowboys in the penalty game, for whatever reason, the Chargers get two penalties on the play, and it gives the Cowboys a first down. Of course, the rest is history down that drive. But to me, the play of the game, not only was it the C.D. Lamb play um, you know, to convert on third down, but then you also have the Brandon Cooks huge first down on third down where he elevated for the ball. Similar, it felt very similar to what happened in week one against the Giants where he was able to get that play over the middle on fourth down. Brandon Cooks just having a great game for the Cowboys, even though it didn't blow up the, the box score. Um, but then, of course, the deep shot to Tony Pollard could have gotten col- called for maybe like a, a a holding penalty on Kenneth Murray. But I thought that, that it was a good play call. Dak got the right read, and he just missed the throw on that. Um, B1, your, your reaction to that drive, of course, ending in the Brandon Aubrey field goal, which you mentioned at the top, Brandon Aubrey just being money. Uh, now, I, I forget what it is, might be 16 for 16 uh, during the season so far. But just that overall offensive drive and how the Cowboys were able to be sort of resilient, um, like Dak Prescott said at the end of the game. 
Yeah, I mean, they were absolutely – the resilient is the exact word. I mean, the, the the Cowboys, that drive was – you know, obviously it didn't end in, in a touchdown like we all hoped. It was it was very close. It was off the fingertips of Pollard. So it was – you know, I was a little nervous there. You know, you know, obviously not nervous for, you know, for Brandon Aubrey to kick the field goal because, as you just mentioned, he's been money. I mean, Brandon Aubrey's been – you know, the best kicker in the league, in my opinion, right now, he hasn't missed a kick since that extra point, you know, in the, in the, the giants, uh, uh, the season opener against the giants. So yeah, it was, there was some great plays there, you know, at the end, I mean, Brandon cooks, I mean, what, I mean, you, like you said, the stat sheet hasn't filled up, but he's, he's playing, he, he, he played his best game as a Dallas Cowboy tonight. It was good to see. It was good to see him. I mean, looking at the stats here, I mean, he, you know, he had that nice rush, for you know 14 yards and then you know his you know he had four catches for 36 yards and he obviously had the touchdown his first touchdown as a cowboy so i mean that's that to me is the highlight like brandon cooks like he just you know he went up and he took care of business you know as as, as somebody who you know who who loved the uh, the fifth round pick you know giving up uh, for him you know that was uh, that was a very uh that to me was that that just that that catch where he just not even the touchdown but on that drive where he's like no I'm getting this ball I'm I'm you know we're gonna take care of business here and he, that that to me was that that was worth the fifth round pick just off of that and then you know in, in, and the thing that I will also bring up is he 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 was four targets four catches so every time he threw to uh, you know every time Dak threw to Brandon Cooks all night long I know it was four. It was money. Same thing with CD Lamb. It was, you know, it was eleven for eleven as I saw on the on the telecast. So just in general, it was that drive was great, um, and, and Brandon Cooks was a, a catalyst for that. So I just want to give some love to Brandon Brandon Cooks on that. It was it, it was well worth the investment. And speaking of the investment, I know we're going to get to it in a little bit here. Is another late round day three pick that uh, sealed the game. So we'll see the save that for later. But these late round picks that we traded. They, those those uh, those players in return help pay uh, dividends tonight against the Chargers. Uh, you know, Howman, I, I mentioned CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks had four receptions for 36 yards and a touchdown. But CeeDee Lamb wanting to get more involved in the offense felt like that. He needed to be more involved last week against the 49ers. Seemingly was frustrated all week. Talked it out with Dak. That was sort of a storyline going into this game. Uh, he had seven receptions for 117 yards, 16.7 average. He didn't score a touchdown, but I felt like all night he was just clutch. Every time Dak needed a, a huge throw, especially on third down, he found CD. Uh, not only was he he got seven receptions, but it was on seven targets, so 100% completion going towards CD Lamb's direction. What did you think from him uh, tonight, Howman? Yeah, it was a much improved performance from last week. Um, you know, there was a lot of lot of talk about like his sideline demeanor his his comments after the game um all of which were were i think pretty well earned from from lamb and you know when you go out and you get your your uh teeth kicked in like that on every single phase like you know you're, you're not going to have everybody just you know sunshine and rainbows in the press conference after um so it's i mean it's it's not what you want to hear it's not what you want to see but it's also um you know you kind of understand on some level that they they weren't really in a mood to to talk to the, to the media after that. Um, very, very good response from Lamb. He played like C.D. Lamb that, that we know uh, he's capable of. He played dominant. He played uh, he played physical, too. There were some catches. You know, Brandon Cooks had that incredible one where he, he goes up through the contact. Um, Lamb had a few, too, where he, you know, he took some pretty big hits. He went out there and, you know, wasn't really afraid, didn't, didn't listen to the footsteps. Um, that's what you want to see from your number one receiver. And uh, I, th- I think also, like, they did a pretty good job of moving him around. C.D. Lamb has played a lot in the slot this year. Generally, that's for the best. He's very, very good out of the slot. But, 
against this Chargers defense the way that they, uh, they they tend to give a whole lot of cushion, especially on the outside. And you were seeing that a lot in this game. Um, like that's that's where CD can really thrive when you move him outside and you're going to give him that kind of cushion. It just opens up so many possibilities for him. And uh, th- there's there's definitely a lot of things from the way that Mike McCarthy called this game on offense that I took issue with. But the way he moved CD around, the way that he kind of put him in per- in position for favorable matchups against some of these corners. Didn't really line him up against Asante Samuel a whole lot, which is also a very good, very good idea because Asante Samuel is very, very good. Um, I thought that was a really good move from McCarthy, and, and it t- translated into a great night for Lamb. And and again, to we'll talk about the defensive side uh, for the final drive, and then uh, B one, if you had a point to make, you could talk about beforehand. But I'll throw it back to you. Um, once again, you know, it felt like we mentioned this pre-show that. In my mind, when the Chargers got the ball back, it was 2017. The last time the Cowboys played the Chargers at SoFi, the Cowboys were the ones to hold the ball, and they ended up winning the game. So I felt like whoever had the ball last in this game would ended up winning, uh, would end up winning. And luckily for the Cowboys, it was them eventually. But uh, they start the drive off with a short pass to Keenan Allen, but of course there was a penalty on Micah Parsons on offsides, which again, just when you look at the mental errors in this game, they were pretty evident. Uh, but then Justin Herbert scrambles for three yards, two minute warning happens. And then for whatever reason, thank you, Troy Aikman for, for the good juju where he's like, listen, you know, the, the defensive pass rush hasn't really uh, been there all night for the Cowboys. I think the, the chargers had five sacks. The Cowboys had one, and he said, you know, Micah Parsons, you know, has kind of been quiet all night. And then immediately as he, as he finishes the sentence, Micah Parsons bursts up the middle for for a sack. Uh, the Chargers were kind of on their heels a little bit. And then on the next play, they get a lot of pressure onto Justin Herbert. He makes uh, a contested throw, which Stephon Gilmore, similar to how he kind of had his interception in week one against the Giants, gets in front of the receiver, seals the game, and ball game over. So... For you, if you want to make a point before that, but just that final drive, what you thought of the defense coming off of an, a resilient offensive drive, they really kind of met that resiliency of their own um, with their own kind of game ceiling drive. Yeah, just to circle back really quick for the, you know, on the offensive side for for Dak. Uh, so the issue that I had was he, it was an inefficient night for him with, with Michael Gallup. I just wanted to point out, he, you know, he threw the, he threw the ball to, to Gallup 10 times, only completed 30, uh, 30% or three receptions on the day. So, so out of the nine incompletions Dak had all night, uh, seven of them were to Michael Gallup. So that, I just wanted to button that part up really quick. Now, yeah, that, to going back to that defensive stop at the end there, yeah, you're right. You know, the, uh, Troy Aikman's, uh, he threw a little voodoo or something out there where they put up that graphic I saw. It was Chargers, I think it was four sacks, and then Cowboys had zero. And let alone, let's be honest, Justin Herbert's very hard to get down. He's a very strong guy. He's very, he's, he's very, uh, you know, he's very athletic. So he's hard to get down, as we saw. He, you know, he, he even had a tip pass to himself that resulted in a good play. So he, he, you know, he, he, he's, he doesn't always get it. I don't think he always gets enough credit for being as good of an athlete as, as he is. Cause he's a, he, he can make some plays with his legs and, and, you know, it was very, you know, very, you know, known out there tonight, but yeah, it was, it was, you know, you know, Drake brought that point up where he, you know, where the Cowboys weren't, you know, getting the sack and, they were getting pressure. Like there was pressure all night. Like, you know, the, the boys were doing a good job, uh, you know, getting pressure on him. 
it's just Herbert sometimes he just knows how to move around in the pocket or scramble, run, you know, he'll either run for, you know, for a big play or a decent play, or he'll get the ball to Keenan Allen. Like he just makes all these, these plays where it's like, okay, yeah. You know, the, the Cowboys didn't have a sack up to that, you know, that's that until that final drive, but it wasn't like they weren't getting pressure all night. That's the misconception that I, I, I think a lot of Cowboys fans are going to, you know, look at the box score and be like, Oh wow. We didn't, uh, we didn't, we only had one sack on the night. I mean, it was a big sack obviously, but but to me, it was it, the pressure was there, I and mean, it just was one of those situations where it, it just didn't work out where they were able to get him to the ground. On that final drive, though, Micah Parsons, I think he got through two defenders on that, if I'm not mistaken. I got to go back and, and watch the you know the, the you know the footage, but you know watching it in, in, in live in, in real time, like he, he he I think he bulldozed through like two guys there and, and, and made the play. And then the, the best part about that drive was that was the catalyst for what, what happened right after that, which was they got more pressure once again. And Herbert, you know, felt the pressure through a pass that, you know, wasn't a great pass, to be honest with you. And Stefan Gilmore seals the deal, gets the, you know, gets the interception. And then the Cowboys are nailing it at the end of the game. They're the ones that get the ball last. You know, I, I did see some uh, fantasy football players. I know Hallman mentioned that earlier. The kneel downs from Dak Prescott actually cost a few people some fantasy victories out there. So I, I feel bad for the folks in the fantasy football community. But as a Cowboys fan, there is nothing better than watching Dak Prescott put some, you know, doing the kneel downs at the end of the game after a great play on, by the Cowboys defense, a great pressure by the pass rush, a great interception by Stephon Gilmore. Was, again, the, the start of the show was sloppy, sloppy, sloppy. But the finish was all that mattered, and they did, and the defense did what they had to do, which get the, you know get the turnover, give the ball to the offense, let Dak kneel it, and then we put a we put a bow on this victory. It's funny you mentioned the kneel downs too, because like when when Dak takes that knee in this game, like you can see he kind of like he takes the ball and kind of leans forward into Biotish a little bit, trying to get as close to the line of scrimmage. Like he had a good rushing night. He's like, I don't want to lose any of those yards, <laughs> but. But, you know, when you're taking the knee, it, it, it's not really that big a deal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you're, you're spot on about the pressure, too. I mean, they, were, they weren't getting the sacks, but they were getting pressure consistently enough. There were a few of those throws that Herbert had where, you know, he missed the guy just a little bit or maybe, you know, maybe he connected with the receiver, but they had to kind of contort their body. They weren't in as good a position for, for yards after the catch because of the way that he was having to release it under pressure. Um, and and that's, that's why, you know, there's, there's so much emphasis on tracking pressures as opposed to just looking at sacks because, yeah, sacks are really great when a sack happens. That's a great play for you. But at the same time, you know, pressures, well, just statistically, they've proven to be a little bit more reliable than sacks for, from a statistic standpoint. But also, like, pressures will affect, you know, they, they affect a quarterback's ability to throw the ball, how accurate he can be, what is, what is uh, how his feet are placed when he's throwing and, and you know, the angles that he's, that he's taking – um, you know, if you get pressure, like you can flush guys out of the pocket. And that's something the Cowboys have been consistently really good at since Dan Quinn got here is, I mean, yes, the sacks have come with it, but they've been really great at generating pressure and they were doing it, you know, not necessarily all night. I think the chargers actually for, for what they were working with on their offensive line did a pretty good job handling this pass rush and specifically Micah Parsons, but um, they, they were still able to get enough pressure impact the play and then, of course, that, like you mentioned, led to the one throw right at the end where Stefan Gilmore, with, with that you know, veteran instinct, he's able to just sit on that rat a little bit, read the quarterback, makes the diving play, and from there it's just it's all fundamentals. It's like riding a bike for him, just making that, 
that diving play and making sure that it doesn't touch the touch the ground. He makes the interception, seals the game. Yeah, I think we're all on the same page. Uh, Justin Herbert, one of the things I mentioned beforehand in sort of when I was watching him over the previous few weeks uh, before the bye week, he's one of the more elusive quarterbacks, at least right now, that I've seen where he's moving around the pocket a lot more. He's running a lot more. So trying to bring him down. I want to call him the California Redwood. I don't know why anybody hasn't really seen that, that's <laughs> said that before. It seems like it's chalk given how big he is. Um, but – you know, you mentioned the the interception that he threw before this game. He was tied for the league, uh, I guess, lead and not throwing as many interceptions. He was tied for first with a few quarterbacks. I know Brock Purdy and C.J. Stroud were leading that category with zero, but of course they had uh, their first interceptions this past weekend. Justin Herbert now has two on the year, so he doesn't turn the ball over a lot. He has one of the lowest turnover-worthy play percentages in the NFL among quarterbacks. Um, so I think that if you were able to kind of put enough pressure on him, I felt that there were turnovers to be had. He's had uh, six turnover-worthy plays on the year. So, again, like I said, it doesn't happen much. But if you can get to him, especially with that offensive line, I thought that that could have helped. Um, the one thing I want to mention, too, just a few quick notes before we kind of wrap up here. A few players to highlight and then B1. You can talk about any of these um, and then I'll, I'll throw it to Hellman with the same names and the same, uh, you know, sort of observation. The offensive line did struggle. Felt like that, you know, they were holding a lot of guys. A lot of pressure was being had on Dak. Dak had to move around a lot. I think that Dak spun into a few sacks potentially. Again, kind of have to go back and look at it. But again, when this defense is good, this defense could be great for the L.A. Chargers. It's just they haven't put it all together. You do have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on either side. And Thule Tuapolotu is a very, very good player. So don't mince words where they have three legitimate pass rushers on that team. So I thought the Cowboys did enough you know, to win the game and hold their own, especially with a few guys that might be banged up in Tyron Smith, Zach Martin, and Tyler Biotish that might be battling some injuries. Um, you have the fact that a few guys stepped up on defense. We mentioned Deron Bland. He bit a few times on a double move, but when it came time to actually make a play, he had the pass breakup that we said would have been great to get the Cowboys off the field if not for the muff punt. But the biggest play of the game for him was that fourth down, fourth and one in the red zone where the Chargers are trying to score. Pressure by Demarcus Lawrence. He has a pass breakup on the tight end. That was great, and the Cowboys were able to get the ball back even though they, they couldn't capitalize. That was great by him. And then Marquise Bell, we've talked about him before. I thought Marquise Bell had a great game. If not for the uh, fl uh, flat, um, the route out of the flat, which they scored upon, uh, the Chargers did to tie at 17-17. Marquise Bell would have had the play of the game if the Cowboys were able to stop them on fourth down, um, where he prevented Alston Eckler from scoring. Um, I thought he had a phenomenal game. And then you had, of course, Brandon Aubrey, which we mentioned as well, too. And then Tony Pollard, too, having over 100 total yards. I think can't, can't go understated for that. So, uh, B1, I'll turn it to you. Anything that you want to touch on before we wrap up here? And then, Halman, you can say your final words, too. Yeah, I mean, you, you've hit on a few guys that I was going to bring up. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I hammered it on uh, on the uh, the social media acts there, uh, you know, about about Marquise Bell. You know, I, you know, that's one of those guys where you know I saw a lot a lot of great highlights and good film of him coming into uh, last year when he was uh, undrafted free agent pickup by the Cowboys. So I started watching a lot of film on him last year. And like this is the ability that I was not surprised by him, you know, watching, you know, watching tonight. Even the broadcast, I think Troy Aikman was pretty high on him tonight as well. I think he made some comments where he was like, "Yeah, he's an undersized player, but he gets he just sticks his nose in there and just makes big plays." So Marquise Bell, I mean, he finished he finished as uh, he was tied for second on the team tonight in tackles. You know, he he was all over the field. Like 
you know, he was knifing through the offensive line to make plays. Like he, he just has a different element to his game that, you know, uh, you know, Dan Quinn obviously loves him. I mean, they mentioned on the broadcast tonight. So Marquise Bell was one of those, you know, he was one of my guys tonight. You know, I highlighted that, you know, how, how well he played, you know, that, that play you mentioned on Austin Eckler where, you know, you know, of course they're going to nitpick that maybe Herbert could have thrown the ball a little bit, you know, a little bit sooner to give Eckler a chance to put his foot in the ground and go. But guess what? Based on what happened, Marquise Bell made a heck of a play, stopped him right before he got in the end zone. That was a great play. You know, good kudos to him on that. And then, you know, DeMarcus, DeMarcus, you know, Lawrence, he, he didn't, you know, he, he didn't fill up the stat sheet, but he made some, <clears throat> he made some impactful plays. Oh, yeah. Like that one play where he deflected the ball, where Eckler had a guy in front of him, I was like, "Oh God, that that was gonna get that was gonna be a long run uh, for Eckler because he had I think he had his tight end in front of him. You know, I think I think Eckler would have had a big play there. And then you know, just just in general, he's you know, Demarcus. You know, people people are always looking for Demarcus Lawrence because of the money he makes and the contract and everything, where he's supposed to get you know, twelve sacks or fifteen sacks a year. That's not his game. Like, is he going to get a decent amount of sacks throughout the season? Absolutely. But he's a great edge player. He sets the edge on whatever side he's on, and he's great in the run game. Like, to me, like, nobody wants to run to the side DeMarcus Lawrence is on because he's going to make the play. And he did that tonight. DeMarcus Lawrence, you know, he, again, he had, you know, he had just three tackles. You know, I say that just with a kind of a, you know, tongue in cheek a little bit because whatever, he had three tackles. But he he was all over the field. He, he you know, he was – he was in, you know, he was in Herbert's face all game. You know, I, I give him, I give him a lot of credit for what he did tonight. And then you mentioned it, you know, Deron Bland. You know, you mentioned, you know, you mentioned that he got burned on those double moves and whatnot. Kind of reminds me of another guy who's unfortunately not on the, you know, he's on the IR right now is Trayvon Diggs. He reminds me so much of Trayvon Diggs, and you know, he he just has, you know, he has that ability where he's gonna bite sometimes and it's gonna look not so pretty. But you want him to have that aggressiveness because when he breaks on it, more times than not, he's picking it off. And even some of those other times, he takes it to the house. I thought he was going to make a house call on one of those tonight, but that you know, it's okay. You know, I'm not expecting him to to catch every pass that you know that you know gets thrown in his direction. So, Deron Bland, you know, another another great performance for me. You know, I don't, I'm not worried about him getting. You know, he get he get, he he bit a couple times tonight, but overall, he played very well. And then, you know, just for me, Stefan Gilmore, like I know, I know he has, he's been having problems on those crossing patterns, but when he needed to make a play the most, he got, he, 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 he read the route at the end of the game. They're the last defensive play for the Cowboys made the interception. It wasn't the easiest throw to catch either. He had to, he had to go down and get that. So he, he sealed the deal. So for me, it was, you know, Stefan Gilmore made the final play of the game. So, and, and, and you know what, one more thing, Brandon Aubrey, Another great performance. He's the most consistent player on the Cowboys this year. And, of course, it comes from a guy named Brandon. It's a consistency thing. So that's kind of what Brandon's do. But, you know, I, I say it jokingly, of course. But Brandon Aubrey is he's the most consistent player of this, you know, of this team. And he was the biggest unknown coming into the team this year. Like, people were nervous about him. They were looking at guys like Robbie Gold and Mason Crosby. But Brandon Aubrey right now, for my money, he's the best kicker in the league right now. Well, I, I would have to maybe uh... – Stop a little short and call him the best kicker in the league. Justin Tucker does still exist, but Brandon Aubrey has been sensational to start this year. Um, to your point, you know, he, he was the unknown and and he really did not have a very good training camp and didn't have a whole lot of opportunities in preseason. And so like, the, you know, there, there was good reason for fans to be a little skeptical, but he's come in and aside from that one extra point where they missed, where he kind of like rushed the process, he has been money ever since then. Um, so credit to him. He, he's just 
come in and, and every single game, he just once again gives us more reason not to doubt him. Um, also, yeah, I mean, Deron Bland, I, I think I, I also see a whole lot of similar traits to Trayvon Diggs. He definitely, with some of the ways that he breaks on the ball this year, you know, his pick six a couple weeks ago, the, the almost pick six he had uh, tonight. And, and he really, I think, is you can tell that he works with these other players and he's kind of picking up on some of the things that Trayvon does well and kind of incorporating that into his game. Um, Marquis Bell, though, like what a game for him, um, especially, you know, being that safety that kind of made a last second transition to linebacker. He's not the biggest guy, but he just came in. He was making plays. And I said in the first half, like he's having himself a game. And I was thinking in my head, I hope I just didn't just jinx him to have, you know, just disappear in the second half. And he came out in the second half and he still had a heck of a game. And so, you know, credit to him. Uh, one other thing I want to just real quick touch on is the red zone offense. They were, they were two for four on the night. Those two misses were the plays we already talked about where they, they tried the tush push, didn't get it. That's kind of one of those, you know, up in the air, give me kind of plays. Uh, and then there was the play where, Mike McCarthy, you know, settled for the field goal instead of taking the timeout at eight seconds. So those are their, their, their two red zone misses on the night, which were kind of, you know, is, is not necessarily a situation where you can say, like, yeah, it happened in the red zone, but it's not like, oh, they were trying to score on this play and they just couldn't get it. You know, they, they turned it over on downs. Um, you can talk about the play call and then obviously you can question the decision to kick the field goal, but um, there, there are two other times that they were in the red zone and they were like actually trying to score a touchdown on those particular plays. They did it. And, and I, I think it, it's obviously still way too early to say red zone issues fixed, like no problem here, but it was definitely uh, a, a good step in the right direction. Um, the way that they were able to, to go down there, get in the red zone and score touchdowns. Um, and, and then obviously also just good in general for the offense that they were able to move the ball at all after what they did last week. Hey, you know what? I'm looking at the stats. Uh, the L.A. Chargers are right around 50% for allowing teams to score in the red zone. So the Cowboys just – all they needed to do was hit 50%. They did that. So that that's how you're going to win the game. Um, and I was also looking, at, again, at the box score. You don't want a box score scout, but, man, Tony Pollard, 15 carries, 30 yards. That's rough. But, again, I think the Chargers defense coming into this game, one of the underrated defensive fronts and uh, defending the run. Um, of course, maybe you could – chalk that up to maybe offenses are throwing the ball more because they were allowing almost 300 yards through the air. But listen, the Cowboys get a win. We talked about how important that was. They're going to be on their bye week next week. So of course, next week and all of this week for our podcast on the blog and the boys podcast network, we'll recap this game and then get you guys ready for next, uh, the following game, which will be at home against the Los Angeles Rams, which that's going to be a track meet. You thought that this would be tough against the Chargers offense. We'll get ready for the Rams offense, barring any injuries to Cooper Cup or anything happening. Um, that is a very, very tough offense to defend, especially against uh, Trayvon Diggs-less Cowboys team. But they certainly need it, and especially, too, on a weekend where the Eagles lost, the Giants lost, and the 49ers lost. You kind of get back into the race, not only in the NFC East, but also potentially for the number one seed down the line. So... With that being said, we'll get you guys ready throughout the week on Blogging the Boys, the podcast network, and the written side of things. So be sure to check out everybody's work on bloggingtheboys.com. So for Brandon Clements, David Hellman, I am Brandon Laurie. Thank you so much for tuning into the latest edition of the Writer's Block Podcast. And always remember, especially tonight, go Cowboys. Cowboys.